Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, last week we were introduced to a woman by the name of Rose Crawford. Do you guys remember Rose? Rose was a woman who was blind for 50 years. Now, that happens at time, and so you and I would go, okay, well, what, what was so significant about Rose being blind? The significance of the story was that for 20 years, there was a, a, a delicate surgery that could have given Rose her eyesight back. So for 20 years, she lived blind, and she really didn't have to. And, and she didn't realize that. I mean, I want you to think 20 years. I want you to think 20 years ago. Can you imagine? There was a surgery going on where Rose could have gotten her eyesight back back in the, you know, 20 years earlier. And for 20 years, she continued to live that life because she didn't know any better. She didn't know anything. And, and Rose, I mean, think about it, right? I, I, mean, I, mean, at the age of, I mean, at the age of 30, she could have just been, right, seeing things. But now... 20 years has gone by. Now, it's one thing, right? It's one thing to be blind. It's one thing to go, well, that's just how it is. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But it's a whole other thing, church, listen. It's a whole other thing, right, to be able to be healed, whether it's through surgery, and not know it, and not know it. There's, there's a whole different thing. And, and when I think of Rose, I think how much of her life would have been, quote, unquote, different if only somebody would have told her about this operation. If only somebody would have sat down and said, Rose, listen, listen, I've got good news. You guys know what good news in the spiritual realm is, right? It's the gospel, right? Rose, I've got good news. There's an operation, and you'll be able to see. You'll be able to see. And you and I, because we can see, we take things for granted. We take things for granted like the colors and the sunshine and, and, and all that goes around us. Rose, Rose, listen, you don't understand. You can see. You can see everything that I'm seeing right now, right? Because up until this point, what have she seen? Nothing. Darkness. Blackness. If only somebody would have told her how different would her life have been, right? Now, listen. There are a lot of people, guys, like Rose. You go, they are? Yeah, but spiritually speaking. You see, they're, they're blind spiritually, and we met a group last week, we're going to talk about them, but, but as I was going through the study, I started thinking, spiritual blindness, spiritual blindness, there's a lot of things that keep us from seeing Jesus. Now, we can go back to our BC days before Christ, and we could, we could name a list of a lot of things that kept us from seeing who Jesus was, but then the scales fell off, and we saw Jesus, and we opened up our heart, and we're like, I'm saved, are you kidding me, this is amazing, and you're jumping around, and you're so excited. The problem is, is that as we begin to walk with Jesus like this, we begin to walk with Jesus in our lives, there are other things that want to keep us from getting to know him even more. And we could chalk those up to spiritual blindness and not being all and and knowing God as, as deep and intimate as we could. Oh, you know Jesus, absolutely. Are you saved? Absolutely. But how deep do you know him? How deep do you know this wonderful love? And so we're going to look at some people, and I want you, as the body of Christ, to look at your own life and go, what are some things that are keeping me from walking in a deep intimacy with God? What are some things? Am I blind in some areas? And we're going to look at that today, right? A lot of people are like Rose, spiritually speaking. Okay, now listen. Not only last week we heard the story of Rose, but we also were, into, were introduced in the man in Scripture who was born blind, okay? 
And as we came to John chapter 9, we learned that the disciples had noticed him a time or two before. We know that they had walked by. But at this particular occasion, they decided to do something I think we all do from time to time. They began to engage the Lord Jesus in a philosophical conversation. They're walking by. They're with the, the master, the teacher. They've seen some things. We're about six months out before we head towards the cross. They see a blind man, Jesus. Jesus, right? John tells us of the conversation. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, Jesus, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Okay, now I want you to think about that. You and I, we get to hang out with Jesus. We're part of his disciples. We may not be part of the 12, but we hear the conversation. Part of the, the, the group, right, Jesus is, that follows Jesus says, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, right? Now, last week we talked about this. Let me give you two, two schools of Jewish thought on why they would ask this question. Now, my opinion, and I'm standing off to the side, this is my opinion. My opinion is they simply wanted to gauge the Lord in some conversation. Maybe something other than what was going on. Maybe they just said, hey, what's going on with him? Who, who, which one? Who, what, what was the problem? But the Jewish thought of the day was, number one, guys, if you're taking note or you had it or you took note last week, this question was based upon the popular assumption that some sin prior to birth was responsible for congenital blindness. Now, the idea of them asking this question comes from pagan sources, which actually held to reincarnation. You go, what? Yeah, they were believing. Now, again, not the disciples, and it's not founded in Scripture, but culturally, if you will, culturally, in the sense of, well, let's even bring it to our culture, it's like if you were on social media and the topic, the trending topic was, again, reincarnation and how if you are born with a particular sin, you're going to come back and maybe suffer a mild or even major affliction. You guys tracking with me? Culturally, this is what they thought. Okay, well, what did he do? Was it him? Did he do something in a previous life? Now, again, think about that. We know that this view was very prevalent, guys, in the first century. Yet, we have to understand no scripture lends its, its credence to this idea. Okay? They asked the question. Now, that's one school of thought. You go, well, which is it? I don't know. I wasn't there. They just asked the question. Let me give you the second school of thought. The second school of thought was basically this. It was based upon the man's parents who sinned. And he, unfortunately, reaped the consequences for their sin in his blindness. And you go, well, how is that a possibility? Well, you and I know this is a real possibility. Listen, many cases of congenital blindness, being blind from birth, has been caused by what we know as venereal diseases. And so there was a disease going through, and the baby was consummated, you know, and, and came out and was born blind. Well, I love what Jesus does. None of those schools of thought, Jesus is going, no, 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 you need to understand. He denies, what does he do? He denies both possibilities, right? And you want to see the heart of Jesus, okay? He's like, no, 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 I'm going to tell you. Now, before we go on, okay, I want you to see the heart of our Savior. Why? Because it's our job to line up our hearts with the heart of God, okay? That's really what we're here for, to line up our hearts, to walk like Jesus walked. 
to say what Jesus say, to do what Jesus does. And so the only way we know that is by spending time with him. So we're going to see Jesus go on just a little bit. Now, I love that John, the writer John, he wants to write to you and I. Okay, as he's as he's recording this, he has us in mind. And you go, what do you mean? Well, John understands that probably there's coming a day and age in 2018 where there's going to be a lot of people with spiritual blindness. You go, right, you just said that, Pastor. And so what he wants to do, guys, is he wants to do for us today is have our vision restored. He says, now, now some of you, you can't see you're in darkness. And Jesus is going to come in and he's going to reveal who he is and you're going to get saved. We see that happen every week, not only in this churches, but churches across the world. Amen. Amen. But what is he? But, but, but I think John's heart is going now. Listen, I know that there's going to also be some spiritual blindness that keeps us from walking as close as we can to God. Some spiritual blindness. And I want to reveal those through what? Well, well, we know that the blind man is the main character. We know who Jesus is, but I'm going to give you some other characters, right? So that you can see that they weren't looking too good spiritually speaking. They were not seeing too good spiritually speaking. Those of you with glasses or contact lenses, you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Those of you with 20-20 vision and you've always had 20-20 vision, we don't like you. Anyways, because you go, why? Because if you take off your contact lenses... You're blind, right? You can't see. And, and, and that's a big deal for us. If we lose our glasses or we lose our contact lenses and we're out somewhere, it's really hard for us to drive home. There are some that are, we call legally blind. We, there's nothing we can do. I don't know about you. I keep a spare glasses in my glove case because you just never know, right? Now, I wish I was 20 20. Spiritually speaking, John says, now there's some other characters that are maybe not 2020, and we're going to take a look at them today. Now, if you're taking notes, guys, last week we saw some characters. The first two we talked about, you guys remember, it was the disciples. It was us. You go, well, well they suffered from what I call theological ineptness. Theology, you go, what does that mean exactly, Ben? Well, ineptness means lacking or showing a lack of skill or competence. Showing a lack of judgment, sense, or reason. That's ineptness. You go, what, what, what's going on? Here, here's what it is, guys. It was their understanding that the man was blind because of his sins. That, they, you see what they did right there? They what? They prejudged the man already. We have a term for that, don't we? It's called prejudice, Right? We prejudged. He walked by, and, and, and they said, hey, look at him. He's blind. He probably sinned. If it wasn't him, it must have been his parents. And think about it. That was their understanding. They were spiritually blind. Why? Because they weren't thinking, and they didn't have the mindset of God. Church, every morning, you and I should get up, and we should put on the spiritual armor. And the one thing we want to do is we want to put on the mind of Christ. Lord, help me to think the way you want me to think. Help me to see the way you want me to see. Help me to see people the way you want me to see people. Help me to love people the way you want me to love people. That's what we should do every single day. And the Lord, through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the, through the resurrection power in our lives, we'll be able to put on the mind of Christ and we'll be able to think on things above, not on things below. Well, again, think about it, guys. They, what? They prejudged. And that 
is a problem. And you go, why, Pastor? We, too, have a tendency to make judgments about people who are sick, who are physically challenged or abnormal. Wonder what happened. What did they do? We wonder what, did, what, what they did as a result of some imperfection, or we say their problem is a result of a dysfunctional family they came from. We have to be so careful, guys, that we don't prejudge other people. We don't judge them. But Jesus, I love what he does, right? He corrects their theological ineptness. You go, why? Well, because in the message version, it says this in verse 3. Jesus said, you guys are asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no cause. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Don't you just love the way the message puts that? He says, Jesus, who sinned? You guys are asking the wrong question. You guys are looking for someone to blame. And I was so convicted because I think, I think in our humanness, we do that all the time, don't we? We ask the wrong questions. When something goes wrong in our lives, when our bosses are treating us horrible, when our family member wigs out, when, when things just go wrong, we ask the wrong questions. We often ask, why, Lord? Why? Why me? Why? Anybody ask why? And sometimes he goes, you're asking the wrong questions. You're looking for somebody to blame. Now, can we be honest in church? Can I get, yes? yes? Okay. How many times do we blame God? Well, God, if, if you would have just done this, this, and this. Uh, guys, I'm with you. I'm with you. We, in our spiritual fallen nature, are always looking for someone to blame. Why? Because it takes the heat off us and our own responsibility. They're asking the wrong question. And Jesus goes, no, 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 guys, there's no, there's no cause and effect. He says, he says, what you should be looking at is how God is going to do something here. Okay? So they were blinded. They were blinded. Can, can I get an amen for us on that? Amen. We know that. Well, then you have the neighbors. We talked about the neighbors. You go, well, what's their problem? Their problem, guys, is they were blinded not by theological ineptness, but they were blinded by denial. They were blinded by denial. Let's talk about denial for just a moment, Okay? Denial is not a river in Egypt, okay? Denial is, denial is they are spiritually blind due to the fact that they were in denial about a lot of things. You go, what was it? They were in denial about who Jesus was, who Jesus was, who he really was. You see, a lot of us guys are in, are in fact in denial about who Jesus really is, okay? And, and if you'll ask Josh, he... He got a phone call about someone who was very, very upset on who he thought Jesus was or wasn't, and what we believed as a church and who Jesus is. So there are a lot of people who are in denial about who he was, his mission. They were in denial about the blind man. We're going to see that today, and even why he was healed. Why were you healed? Why do you get to be healed? What did you do? What, so forth, right? Now, now listen. Denial, guys, is a form of blindness when we're not willing to see what's real. Denial is essentially disbelief. Listen, in psychology, denial is a defense mechanism. It enables folks to resist change. It's also a coping mechanism to help people use to reject the truth either about themselves or someone else. Now, you go... Well, what does that have to do? Well, sometimes in our walks with God, 
we walk in denial. We walk in the spiritual blindness of denial. You go, no, I don't deny Jesus. No, 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 I'm not saying that you deny Jesus. But sometimes as we begin to walk and we feel the beautiful conviction of the Holy Spirit in something that we shouldn't be doing, well, then all of a sudden we deny because we're trying to deflect the truth off of us onto somebody else. Think about it. Think about it. Let it sink in, guys. It's a defense mechanism. It enables folks to resist change. Hey, 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 you're not walking in the right direction. There's some consequences to the right. There's some consequences to the left. You're not walking in the right direction. Be careful. Hey, you just worry about you, right? Here's the, here's the most common thing we use, right? We'll try to get our six slinger out. And we'll start firing scripture back because here's what we say. Judge not lest you be judged. We're trying to deny that that truth could actually be about me, that I could actually fall off to the right or to the left. But you don't judge me. You worry about yourself. And again, think about it, guys. Think about it. It, 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 it. It's a coping tool that helps people reject the truth. We use defense mechanisms to protect ourselves from feelings from anxiety, and from guilt, and from guilt. We need to be careful real quick, guys. It's not in my notes, but I feel like the Lord wants me to say it. We need to be careful, and we need to understand the difference between conviction and guilt. Conviction is you're a believer, and God's knocking on your heart because he loves you so desperately and so deeply that he doesn't want you to fall off and get hurt. Okay? If we, as humans and parents, we want to be so careful that our little ones don't want to get hurt. Why would God want to go, go on, you want to walk on that path? Go ahead. You're going to scrape your knee, but I don't care. That's not God. God's heart is like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And that's conviction. The enemy comes in and says, you're, you're guilty. You're never going to redeem anything. And it's a, guilt is a whole different area that we have to deal with. God came and he took our guilt, but we need to learn and understand what, what guilt is, what guilt is. Denial, guys, is what keeps people from seeing who Jesus really is, the Son of God. Denial keeps him from seeing his Lord and Master and Savior. So those are the two we talked about last week. We talked about the disciples and the neighbors. This morning, we're going to talk about the last three, okay? We're going to talk about the Pharisees. They suffer from blindness of righteous indignation. Then we're going to talk about the man's parents. They suffered from the blindness of selfishness. Now, I know none of you are selfish in here, so we'll, we'll, just, we'll go pretty fast through them. Nobody caught that. Okay. Then we talked about the crowd. They suffered from the blindness of rejection. Now, Let's talk about the story real quick, and then we'll pick it up in verse 11. You guys know the story. The disciples and you and all, were, you, y'all were with Jesus, and we're walking by, and they ask who sinned, Jesus. Now, listen, let me show you the glory of God. Jesus spits on the ground, right? He makes him clay, right, mud, and he puts it on the, on the man's eyes who's been blind since when? Birth, good. And so he tells them, now, you would think that would be enough, right? That would be enough. I mean, the man's going, listen, Lord, you're here. And he goes, and he says, okay, and he's putting mud in your eyes. What are you thinking? What? (laughs) What are you doing? First of all, when you hear spit, you're like, okay, this is not good. This is not. 
How you doing there? I, I don't even know what to say. Hold on. It's going to feel wet and yicky and sticky. Now, if that wasn't enough, Jesus says, now go wash at the pool of Siloam. Now, you and I, no big deal, right? We think it's going to go down a couple of feet, a few feet, wash our face in the sink. It's 500 yards. It's five football fields down to watch that, okay? And so there he goes. I mean, with mud in his eyes, right? I don't know if he has a stick. I just picture someone blind. I mean, trying to find his way. But he's got to go to this pool. He's got to kneel down. He's got to find the water, and then he's got to wash. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would, have, would do that? You'd look silly. And that's the thing that I want to get to your heart this morning. Guys, sometimes as believers, we look silly, but obedient to God's word. To the world, y'all look silly. Y'all look silly. What are you doing? What do you mean? What do you mean a monogamous relationship? What do you mean? What do you mean? All, I mean, we look silly because we believe in the God of this Bible. But he didn't care. Why? Because when he came back, guess what happened? He could see. Okay? Then begins the interrogation. Okay? Notice the reaction from the rest of the people. Starting off in verse 11, it says, And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received sight. And they said to me, where is he? And I said, I don't know, right? Now we pick up our story in verse 13. They brought him who was formerly, who was, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Don't you just love that, guys? Why? It says it was, he was what? Formerly blind. You go, what does that mean? I love that. Why? Can I just say you were once formally yucky, but not anymore. You realize that. Listen, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to stop listening to all the negative stuff people tell you and start looking at yourself the way Jesus sees you. Let's, let's be honest. There's enough negative in the world. I know who I am. I sang the song that saved a wretch. I know I'm a wretch. Anybody know that they're a wretch? Do you know you're a wretch? Right? Anybody have to tell you? We pretty much know, right? Somebody goes, are you a wretch? I'm not. I didn't know that. I am not a wretch. No, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to do is not let you know how bad of a wretch I am. But what I want you to do is you were formerly blind. That's not you anymore. That's not you. You were bought with a price. You are a, what? You are a winner. You are a victorious, I mean, think about it. You're a soldier. You, you, I want you to think about how God thinks of you, okay? You are precious enough for him to come and die on the cross. They brought him who was formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Now, I want you to hear Dun, dun, dun. That's the problem. Why? It was a Sabbath. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes. I washed and I see. Okay. So who do we see next? The next group we see that are spiritually blind are the Pharisees. Well, they suffer from what? From righteous indignation. You go, what does that mean? Well, righteous indignation is typically a reactive emotion of anger 
And it can be over mistreatment. It could be over insult or malice of another. So again, guess what's happening? We know that they're blind because they are far more interested in keeping the rules than they are about a man who can actually see. They're thinking, how dare Jesus break the rules? How dare him heal on the Sabbath? Come on. This is just not right. So their biggest beef, guys, is not that a man who was born blind, their biggest beef is that he healed on the Sabbath. Rule keeper. I mean, think about this. And so what happens is they say in verse 16, therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others of the Pharisees said, how can this man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Okay? What's their beef? He says, how can this man, meaning Jesus, who is a sinner, perform such signs? Right? They didn't appreciate that the fact that Jesus violated one of their Jewish laws. Unfortunately, listen, there are times when rules prevent us from reaching out to others or denying us the opportunity of being good agents of God's grace. You go, what happens? Times we become rigid instead of flexible, closed eyes instead of opened. We are so bound by traditional customs and procedures that we can't tolerate any change. Your attention, please. Here's what happens to us. If you are walking in some spiritual blindness with Jesus, there are times when we will be blinded to the needs of the many based upon our traditions and we'll be blinded to what God wants to do. You see, at Calvary Chapel, we don't do that. You see, at Calvary Chapel, we don't do this. You see, my denomination does not allow me... Guys, listen, listen. We don't want to be spiritually blinded by righteous indignation. Okay? We got to be careful. We got to be careful. I'll tell you what. At the end of the day, we're going to do at Calvary Chapel. Here's what I want. We're going to do everything we possibly can short of sinning. We won't sin, but to reach the lost. But here's the problem. The problem is because we're a church. Everybody sits here. He goes, well, we're a church. We don't want that person in our church, or we don't want this to happen, or we don't want that to happen. And there are times when we got to do stuff, and, 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 and it's going to be crazy. And you're going to think, this is crazy. Instead of thinking it's crazy, go, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what God is doing. But it's not, it's not a traditional Calvary thing. Listen, Calvary Chapel is just a name on the building so you guys don't get lost when you come to church. You guys are the church. You guys are the church. Be careful that we're not walking in this spiritual blindness, guys, that we're not so, that we're not so, oh, man, integrated in the rules that we forget about people. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And the man says, well, I guess he's a prophet. 
But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received sight until they called the parents who received who had received his sight. So guess what they're saying? We don't believe you. How do you were you really blind? Uh, hello. I can see now, right? Now, listen, here's the thing. It doesn't tell us because John doesn't give us details. But if this man actually was born blind, we know he was, but he was he can see now. He ain't just going, yeah, well, I was blind, but now I see. Amen. He's like, are you kidding me? He's just shouting it from the, I can see. Look, there's trees. Look, he's wearing a hat. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Oh, I love that shirt over there. Blue is my favorite. Oh, this is so great. And people are just tripping, man. They're tripping. Why? Because he's so excited about it. Here's the question to you. When was the last time you got super excited because you're saved? I mean, Really? Because the spiritual blindness came off, you're like, amen, golf clap. How are you? I'm saved. I'm saved. What does that mean? Well, you see, I was on my way to hell, and I didn't want to go there, and so I gave my life to Jesus, and now I get to go to heaven. Amen. <laughs> really? We should be jumping. We should be going, are you kidding me? <laughs> Man, this is good. What happened? I, man, it was... Back in 1988, I was 17 years old. I gave my life to Jesus. Nothing's been the same. It's been crazy, man. And I, mean, I can see. I know who he is. I'm so excited to go home one day. It was just amazing. And, and so he's excited. He's excited. They don't believe him, right? So who do they call? They call, they call his parents, right? Let me, ask you a, let me ask you a question. Would your parents confirm your spiritual transformation? Man, I'll tell you what, growing up as a kid, she never cleaned her room. Well, she got saved and she started cleaning her room. I can testify she got saved, man. She got saved, man. She never washed a dish. Now she's washing dishes. Something's changed. I always had to put gas in her car. Now she puts gas in her car. You know what I'm saying? There's a significant... Listen, this is exactly what's happening, right? The problem is, is that his parents are suffering from selfishness. Everybody say selfishness. Everybody say selfishness. See, you guys are so selfish, you didn't want to say selfish. Look at verse 19. You guys aren't selfish, I'm just kidding. And they asked him, right? So they have this dialogue. They asked the parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? And they're probably going, right? How then does he now see? Notice his parents. His parents answered and he said to them, We know that our son, this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. And who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. Do you guys see that? They're taking a step back. They're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, listen. This is our son, right? That's our son, right? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. He was blind. How he sees, I don't know. As a matter of fact, ask him. We're out of this. Okay? John is now going to give us the reason why they're backing off. Look at verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents says, he's of age Let's ask him. Guys, they suffered from the blindness of selfishness. Why? They didn't want to lose their seats in the synagogue. 
they had already feared the Jewish men. They were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed, if anyone says that Jesus is the Messiah, he is going to be excommunicated, he's going to be thrown out of the church. Out of the church. Now, I want you to think about this, okay? We know nothing about these, this man's parents, but what if they were just like super religious and, and just high standing in the synagogue? Okay, they were somebody in the church. And all of a sudden, their boy gets healed, and they, they're being inquired of, and, 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 and they're like, we don't know. We don't, what, they were so afraid to get kicked out of church, they're not even rejoicing at the fact that their baby boy can see. Selfishness, guys. And I wonder, I wonder, I, I can tell you, I can tell you story after story of people who won't come to Jesus because of selfishness. And I know we look at it as such a negative, negative thing, but, a, but there was one actual girl that, that came to the church here. She felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and she would not give her life to Jesus, even though, she, I mean, we talked about it. Why wouldn't you? She goes, because I'm about to move in with my boyfriend. We're going to move to Colorado, and if I give my life to Jesus, it'll mess everything up. And I said, you're going to pick this earthly relationship over a God and over heaven, and she goes, I just can't. You see, there was that selfishness. I, 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 I just can't. I, I don't want to mess things up here. What about us, guys? What about us that are walking with Jesus? Well, there are times we're spiritually blind because we're still selfish. We still fight that, don't we? We're still selfish about things. And, and uh, instead of taking a stand for things that we know we, we truly believe in, we'll step back and we'll go, I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to stay. I'm going to stay, what? Neutral. I'm going to stay... Switzerland, if you will. I'm not going not to get involved here. I'm not going to say... And again, think about it. Selfishness, right? You go, what does it mean exactly? Think about this. Selfishness seeks more than its own. Here's what selfishness does. It cheats, it robs, it murders to get where, what belongs to others. How desolate and desolating is a selfish life. It, it, it blights and ruins wherever it rules do you guys remember Timothy McVeigh? And you go, that name sounds familiar, right? He was the one who blew up the, the building in Oklahoma City. Timothy McVeigh, who thought himself first, on his own, decided that he had the right to plant a bomb at a governmental building in Oklahoma City. That act took more lives of many people, including a number of children whom McVeigh callously described as collateral damage. He died a self-centered, self-absorbed, never showed any remorse at all. His last statement was handwritten note that included words from the 1875 poem Invictus, which concludes with these lines, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That's selfishness. And I'm thinking, could you imagine, instead of rejoicing, instead of having a party, now, right? Their son is healed. This is amazing. This is amazing. They simply take a back seat in order not to upset the religious men in Jerusalem. Here's what I want you to write down, okay? Write down there somewhere in your Bible. I want to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. That's, that's, that's what we need to walk in. We want to please the Lord, 
We don't, not, we don't want to please men. We want to please God. Now, we get into a dialogue with the Pharisees, okay, and the crowd. The crowd's going to be there. They're standing by. Look. So again, they called the man who was blind, and they said to him, Give God the glory. In other words, come on. Give God the glory, right? Tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner, okay? Now, notice what they're calling Jesus. They're calling Jesus a sinner. They're not saying that he just sins. They're actually categorizing him, okay? Bad deal. He answered, and he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. The one thing I do know is that I was blind, and now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Do you guys see the unbelief? They're in denial. They're in all of these. What's going on here? And he answered, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? He's getting a little brave there, right? He's telling the religious people of the day, guys, do you want to be his disciple? You keep asking me. I keep telling you the truth. What happened? Okay, let's go over this one more time. Jesus, right? He spit on the ground. He made some mud. He put it on my eyes. I washed, and now I see. Amen. There's no more. And they're sitting there going, no, 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 no. We don't believe this. 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 And they say, he says, do you want to be the disciples? And they get mad. We know that God spoke to Moses. As far as this fellow, we don't know where he's from. And the man answered and he said to them, why is this marvelous thing, right, that you do not know where he's from? Yet he's opened my eyes. Now, here is a strong indictment against the Pharisees. Why? Because they should know, help me, church, they should know the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and the first five books of the Bible are pointing to Jesus. The Pharisees are going, we hear Moses. Moses talked about you. He said, there is a prophet coming. And they don't get it, guys. They don't get it. And he says, Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears them. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of a man who was born blind. And if this man is not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and they said to him, well, you are completely in sins and you're teaching us. And they cast him out. Part of, the re- part of the Pharisees right here, guys, was the crowd. And the crowd here suffered from the blindness of rejection. Rejection. Okay? They just rejected him. They, he said, hey, listen, you're in, you're, you need to get out. You need to get out. It's unclear who was just challenging the man on his new sight, but the implication is that all society wanted him to reject what Jesus had done for him. He kept saying, a man named Jesus, a man named Jesus, a man named Jesus. He could have said, well, to be honest with you, I don't want to get kicked out of church, so tell me what to say, and I'll say it. Um, I was blind, and then I hit my head on a rock, and now I can see. Whatever it might be. But he's going, no, it's Jesus. And so they get, they, they get upset with him. And so the community surrounded, the blind man was surrounded by community who suffered from some form of spiritual blindness. Sadly, no one acknowledged the miracle that had taken place. No one rejoiced or praised God at the man's ability to, to see. No one asked him what it felt like to be able to see his family for the first time. Instead of being excited that God had intervened and helped the man see, they rejected him because of his profession of faith. Now, we're going to close, but I want you to see this. I want you to see this real quick. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, do you remember that day? 
Do you remember? It's funny how people didn't go, what? That's amazing. That's wonderful. Praise God. Oh, wow. I can't believe this. When we get saved at times, the very people we love the most are act like these parents, don't they? What did you do? Oh, you went and got religion. You went and got Jesus freaked on me. What does it matter with? And they start, they start bashing us. Now, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Let, let's see. One day, one day, I led a guy to Christ in the van. I remember we were talking and he gave his life to Jesus. We rejoiced. He started coming to church, started growing in the word of God. His mother got a hold of what he did. Now, you got to understand, prior to coming to Jesus, he was living with his girlfriend. He was drinking every night. He was stumbling. He was, life wasn't good. It was a mess. He gave his life to Jesus, got saved. All of that went away, started living righteously. And his mom got a hold of him and told him she would rather him be that and stay within his own religion than actually rejoice. People are so blinded, but I don't, I don't blame them. The, the God of this world blinds people. Now, let's close with Jesus, guys, because he steps into the scene, right? Verse 35, and Jesus heard that they cast him out, and when he found him, that's a good place for an amen, because anytime we're cast out of the world, Jesus is there to find us. Do you believe that? Anytime you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to get beaten down, the, 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 the job, the boss, whatever, Jesus is there, and he finds him, and he says to him, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Jesus says, I am the son. Wait a minute. I thought, I thought you said nowhere in the Bible does, does, does Jesus claim to be God. Hello. He does all the time. He's saying right here. And the man says, yes, Lord. He says, then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Guys, you see verse 38? You see verse 38? Look at it. Highlight it for me. Underline it. You go, why? That is a natural progression to someone who believes in Jesus. What's the natural progression? Worship should always follow belief. Do you guys see that? Worship should always follow. He goes, I believe. I put my faith and trust. I've jumped into the pool. And the natural byproduct is worship. I think it's a good test, don't you? You want to know if you're saved? What happens when you, when you believe in Jesus? Oh, man, I worship him. I worship him. I worship Jesus. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into the world and that those do not, who do not see may see, that those who see may be blind. Then some of the Pharisees, right? who were there, heard him say these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Ow! 
Guys, by way of recap, the disciples, spiritually blind, how? By not seeking the mind of God, but by living by simple observation. The neighbors, well, they're spiritually blind by denial, deflecting and rejecting denial. The Pharisees, well, they're spiritually blind by thinking they were more righteous than anyone else. Yet the Bible tells us in Matthew 20 through 24, he calls the the Pharisees blind guides who strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. That's what he's saying. He calls them blind guides. The The man's parents, spiritually blinded by complete selfishness. What's going to happen to me? What will people think? And then the crowd, they were spiritually blinded by rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be so careful that we don't get in crowd mentality because if the crowd starts saying crucify him, we have no idea what we're doing, but we're saying crucify him because the crowd must be right. And that's like saying, if it's on TV, it must be true. If it's on the internet, it must be true. No, 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 no. Let's not be spiritually blinded. It was Dr. Keith Wagner who said this, and I'll close. Jesus is all about opening our eyes to see. To see is to understand that God does not inflict us with health problems because of our sins. To see is to cease using denial as a way of ignoring what's real. To see means to live in grace instead of rules that keep us in the dark. To see is to have courage to support and to stand for what they believe. To see is to experience the acceptance of God, which is greater than the rejection of others. I love what the man says. He got, he got healed physically and then spiritually. Why? Because he says this. Then he said, Lord, I believe. I believe. And really, that's the question. Do you believe? Do you believe? Have you jumped in? Lord, you are gracious and compassionate, and we love you so much. Thank you for your word this morning, God. Thank you that we can see. And thank you, God, for restoring our vision. May your Holy Spirit work in our hearts today and throughout the rest of this week. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.